Welcome to It's a Good Life with Brian Buffini, founder of America's largest business coaching company. Here's a short classic cut from one of our all-time favorite episodes. Well, it's happening morning to you. Brian Buffini here and welcome to It's a Good Life. Today we have a very special guest. He's coming to us all the way from Amsterdam. Rick Pasteur. Rick is an author and a productivity expert. He wrote his best-selling book, a great book called Grip, The Art of Working Smart and Getting to What Matters Most. Rick, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Brian. Thanks. What is grip? Explain to the person who's not exposed to it at all. I believe, and that's weird, that we never get really taught how to work. Most of the people around me that I that I notice, and also in the beginning myself, we just respond to open things like emails and messages and stuff that comes in. And there is a lot of stuff that comes in, right? So you can always respond, which feels really good in the short term, but it's not pushing you forward in the long term. And uh, people start asking like, okay, Rick, how do you do this? Because you seem to have a lot on your plate, but you, you seem to be okay with that. So how do you, how do you manage? And I, I would say, okay, here is the stack of books you need to read. Here is the list of podcasts that I enjoy that you also should read. Here is the list of blogs that you'd follow. Mm-hmm. Well, the list goes on and on. And then I said, okay, let me just write a couple of bullets on how I do this. Uh, taking the best ideas from everywhere, right. building on top of that, making that really clear. That's grip. The first part of the book is really about your week. And I really believe that in order to get a better sense of direction and be, have a more fulfilling life, I actually opt to begin with the week. I like the focus on the week. How does someone have a great week? Young, young people really want to have the ability to switch around all the time. Like they, they really want to, to be able to negotiate what they're working on at any given point uh, of time in the day. And I found that it's actually very freeing for them, for someone to say to them, hey, it's actually not bad to commit to something for a week and to make a decision that this is not something that you're going to renegotiate on anymore. But what you also need is a point in the week where you are going to renegotiate. If you commit to something and you know that on Friday there will be this block that's in your calendar, um, now I feel completely comfortable trusting in the fact that I'm just going to run my week and there will be a point in time where I will be renegotiating my priorities and I'm and then I'm fine to to shift around anything. The thing is, we let our feelings drive what we do way too much. For younger people, this is very often the case. The two things I hear you communicate is that the feelings are great, basically the hijacker to productivity. And the word you use all the time is decision. It seems like if you're going to have a good week, you need to make the decision up front of what you're going to do. You're going to make that commitment. And then if you can build some freedom into it as well, then it seems to be the winning formula. One of the things that's essential and crucial to start making decisions is being comfortable with the fact that your time is finite. We are also used to a set of tools that give us the feeling that time is endless. To-do lists have the option to go on and on. And your mailbox will also never stop. Our calendars, though, are uh, a perfect picture picture of our actual time and this is very limited what i found is i struggled a lot with prioritization when i was only relying on my to-do list as soon as i started bringing in my calendar as the rock of my of my week and of my day and actually of my year this started to shift now i needed to make these tough decisions because if i start to fit in my work in the calendar that's actually the biggest principle in the book use your calendar not just for meetings but also for everything that's going on people will say to me rick 
I tried to do this. I cannot possibly fit everything in that I've committed myself to. And then I said, okay, this is exactly why you do this exercise. Because now you feel upfront that you are overbooked. What happens to a lot of people is that they have this notice after the fact, when it's too late, when they made the promises and couldn't stick to it. You want this signal upfront. So that's why it's so nice to have your calendar drive that decision making. And this, by the way, works the same with money. And the reason why most people's budgets fail is they don't put everything in the budget. They're optimistic. They look, okay, here's my house payment. Here's my car payment. Here's electricity. Here's gas. And they have their big numbers. But when you look at your transactions, it's, oh, yeah, I'm buying coffee here. I'm doing this here. I have this over here. And it's all the other stuff that's not accounted for. So the budget is kind of a hope. This content is very fresh for me right now. I've taught on time management and I've done some great things with time management. But over time and in this new era, I found out that I wasn't following these grip principles. I was under budgeted with my calendar and over committed everywhere and burning out constantly. What I was actually doing wasn't fully budgeted in. And I think, like you say, I think most people like myself terrified to do the exercise. Oh, yeah. Because you realize how over committed you actually are. The feedback that I get right away from people. Yeah, but OK, you can maybe do this. You are the CEO. You are the owner. I'm just an employee. How do I do this? And then I say exactly the same thing, because why is it so hard to say no? Because you don't have a good data point to help you say no. Suddenly, if you have your stuff in your calendar, you can also start to say to your manager, here's my calendar. You want me to do something extra? That means either I have to swap some, something off my calendar calendar or I have to start working in the, in the evenings or weekends. Do you want me to do that? I am totally comfortable with one of my staff telling me I can't get to that when they show me that they're working on the priorities. That's the key. So it gets back to prioritization and then the prioritization then becomes the calendar and then the calendar becomes the decisions. And if you do that, that stands out, that moves the needle, that gets it done. Yeah, there's some details that might not be there and there might be a few bumps and bruises, but you're gonna win. The beauty of the calendar, again, is that it brings together both the small part, the small commitments, where you can make huge and rapid progress in how people perceive you, and the big chunks. Brilliant stuff. And there's two particular things I want to cover. The open loops is something I'd love you to talk about, how we can free our brain up for creative work by closing these loops. We are treating our brains as our storage. While our brains are actually quite good at at remembering stuff, but they're not so good to remind you at the best possible time. Trust on something else. The thing that I trust on is a to-do list. You pour every thought in it. If it's work, if it's from something in your house that needs to be done, if it's all there, you can fully let go of all this background noise. And with that, you have way more capacity to focus on what's at hand, which is indeed having creative thoughts, making sure your mind can wander and you're not hitting into any any other things that are not relevant to what's at hand. Having a to-do list has been around a long time. Not using your brain as storage, that's a fresh approach. How do you approach the to-do list to wrap up all those open loops? I treat my to-do list as the second stage of the rocket. It starts with the calendar. If it's there, I do it. No negotiation. The to-do list is way more granular. These are all the things that could happen. And if they really need to happen, I will move them to my calendar. The to-do list is basically my capturing place. And then whenever there is a free moment in my calendar, I will not reach out to my email, but I will first reach out to my to-do list and then scan, hey, is there anything that I can pick up from there right now? That's how I treat my to-do list. What a lot of people think is productivity is that I checked off all of my boxes on the to-do list. And I will say to you, if you finish a day where all of your to-do list is checked off, you are not working on anything of any significance. And that the truth of the matter is, the more successful I've become in life, the truth is I might get one half 
of one in a day. And the day, by the way, at the end of the day, usually the to-do list is longer than the day before. And you have to become comfortable with that is what success looks like. We were talking about how to really make your week more productive. And we were talking about that you have seven motivators. And I just love to jump into that. As soon as you know what you want to do, sometimes you need a little bit of an extra push to make sure you get through your day. So I gathered some some of my best tools to help you get started, help you during the task and also help you to complete it. One that I always, always return to is the just one bite that helps you get started. Getting started is actually really hard, especially if you don't feel like it. And the just one bite thing for me, that's commit to at least five minutes of writing, drafting, like make a list of bullets of of an outline of the report that you need to write. And I can guarantee you nine out of the 10 times that you do this, you feel like, oh, okay, I can do this. I can can make this happen. So that's the just one bite. It takes away the overwhelm. Powerful stuff. One last little thing I would love you to cover in the week. Can you walk us through what a Friday recap looks like? Do you have any moment in your week for yourself where you sit down and reevaluate how your week was and also what you will do next week? The Friday recap is basically the gift of 30 minutes for yourself to reevaluate what happened last week and take the, the, the remaining 15 minutes of that session to look at my calendar of next week and then thinking, hey, what are the top three priorities and how does this relate to my calendar? This is the time where I'm allowed to reevaluate all my decisions, looking back and looking ahead. A little bit of what went well, what was a priority that I didn't get to? And because you reflect, you take it into next week and say, okay, I, I don't want that to happen again. Let's dive in and finish up if we can. I want to talk about how to grip your year and grip your life. What I wanted to do with grip your life is give you a framework of zooming out. And the framework is really simple. You set goals per quarter so you can do decent projects, but it's way shorter than a year. So it gives you three extra chances in the year to start over, right? So that's the quarter level. And then you set some goals per quarter. And then in the Friday recap, you're going to see the goals and then think about how do these uh, find a place in my calendar for next week. That's the gist of it. The second part is the idea of a partner in crime. I'm quite disciplined, but I still procrastinate. So what I did is I asked a friend to sit with me every week for 30 minutes and we go over how we felt last week, what we enjoyed, what did not go well. And we say, okay, I'm going to do next week A, B, and C. Now, I happen to believe in this. I happen to believe in coaching. I also believe in accountability partners because there's nothing more powerful than let's do this together. And then I also believe in small group synergy to get together with people on a, you know, maybe not as regular base, but to connect, brainstorm with your peers. So that accountability with, along with that encouragement, whether it's coaching, whether it's a peer on the journey, or whether it's a synergy group you belong to, it's magic. It's a formula that works. And that's why productivity works. And that's why the power of it. But I just want to point out that I didn't ask you for the plug there, but it, it's just right. Truth is truth. Build these kind of systems for yourself that help you become the person that you want to be. That's everyone is worth that, uh, but you need to arrange these systems yourself. No one else is going to do that for you. One of the things we have to do is take the self out of self-help. Don't do life alone. The other dynamic is, you know, I think it's always encouraging when you find out, oh, me too, because you think you're unique or you might think you're broken. And then you get together with this group of people and, and it's like to a person, it's a common journey. Having someone on the journey with you is a powerful thing. Bottom line is you got to get the book. It's called Grip. It's phenomenal. I highly recommend it. It's practical. I'm 35 years around this stuff. This is a fresh approach to some old problems with some tried and true principles. And I really appreciate that, Rick. 
I want to thank you for being on the show. I wish you the very best. I hope a lot of folks run out and get a copy of Grip. And I wish you the very best in the future. Thanks for being our guest on It's a Good Life. Thank you so much, Brian, for having me. May the road rise up to meet you. And may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time. 